I saw this film, and I said, "Oh my God, this has to. You have to submit the film." And this person was like, "I, I, I can't. I just, I just it's, it's so personal." And uh, she won Best uh, Student Film, and that changed her life. Literally, it, it brought it out. She starts to get confidence. And so here's a case where someone was so reluctant and made this incredibly brave piece. And now she's discovered herself. Hey, my name is Yanis, and I am a re-recording mixer. I'm on the mission to share the stories of independent filmmakers and film industry professionals. Some have decades of experience, some have just shot their first feature film. Either way, they are all in love with the filmmaking and storytelling. So get inspired, learn some great tips and tricks, and find out what it takes to be a successful filmmaker. Preston is an experimental and feature filmmaker based in Queens, New York. He was one of the first Western filmmakers allowed into China in the 70s to create an immersion documentary called China Behind Silk Curtains. Preston's films have been screened at a variety of film festivals across the globe. He's best known for the films Dixie Lanes and Be My Oswald, which won the Best Feature Film Award at the Dylan Thomas Center in Wales. Today, he is an artistic director of the Queen's World Film Festival in New York, which he co-founded in 2011. And this is how it all started for him. I had no idea that I was interested in motion pictures or movies as a maker, but as a kid, a friend of mine, his father was a manager of, of several local theaters. And so we get to go to the movies for free. And so if we found something we liked, we could stay all day and watch it. And the other thing was that we would get popcorn in a shoebox. And I remember one particular movie, and I was trying to look at this last night to figure out exactly what movie this experience happened. And I can narrow it down to uh, either it was Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, or Song of the South. But anyway, after watching the movie, I went up on the stage, because it used to be a burlesque theater, and I was standing on the sides... And I was looking at this incredibly big image. And then I watched the audience. And all I could see was their reaction to the light that was bouncing off of the screen and reflecting back onto them. And I thought that was, oh my, that's what they're really acting to. They're reacting to this light. And it's moving. You can, I can see it moving across the audience. It's magical. And this huge screen. So I then walked around behind and back of this screen. And I looked at this and I said, oh, my God, this is even more incredible. I'm like, I'm in it. So I think that was sort of an aha moment. I was probably six, no, not six, seven. And I thought, well, you know what? I can do this. And I had no idea in my mind what, what I just had said. I had no idea. And, of course, movies affected me as a kid. I you know, liked action films like other kids. And uh, I was watching a, a science fiction film. I think it, was, it, it came from outer space. And I remember I was just terrified and I was realizing, well, it's just light. It's just, that's all it is. It's, this is not real. Uh, but I found it terribly frightening. And I remember running out of the theater, down the steps and then going, what am I doing? It's just a movie. And I'd run back in again. And I found I was deeply affected by this. I was just so excited and scared. And then there was a moment in this movie where these creatures were moving down underground place. And I saw this zipper in the back of one of the costumes. And I went, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on? Why am I running out of the theater? Why am I doing this? This, that is just a costume. It's an image. 
and I've sort of had that thing about horror films ever since. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's, I understand the magic. By the time I was probably 11, I had uh, my, the first copy of the uh, American Cinematographer's uh, Handbook. And I, I just love scrolling through it and trying to understand the science that was uh, amongst these pages. And it was, it was a, an overwhelming situation realizing, oh, my, this is, it is science. You know, it's science and art. Uh, so I thought that might be something I could pursue because uh, when my dad asked me, he said, well, where would you like to go to school? What would you like to do? I said, well, I, maybe uh, UCLA or USC and study cinematography. And he said, well, if you want to do that, then be completely on your own. And I thought, oh, God, I don't I don't. Let's go to Los Angeles, 3,000 miles away. And here I am on a small fruit farm in upstate, upstate New York going, well, I don't know. This idea may be bigger than I can handle. Well, to make a long story short, I ended up going to Michigan State uh, University and studying landscape architecture. I, there was an art theater, but I found myself um, drifting towards that art theater. And of course, I hadn't even considered the idea of studying movies or movie making at that time. I was focused on uh, being a decent landscape architect. And so time passed, obviously, got my one degree, and then so, uh, somewhere in there, I believe it was around 67, I saw a film called Wavelength by Michael Snow. And I think that's the film that did it to me. There, there was something about it. I couldn't figure out what it was that it did. I just know that I was fascinated by this. And it turns out that that was something that it was a driving force in a film I made, shot it in 2001, 2002, called Be My Oswald. And the New York Times says it was a story about finding yourself through terrorism. And I think they had that fairly correct. And I remember when I was setting up a shot, it was just happening. I went, this is where I want the shot. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to put it up here on a ladder and I'm going to do this slow zoom. And that's when it hit me like, oh, my God, this is wavelength. This whole room is wavelength. I had no idea. I mean, it wasn't a conscious kind of a thing. It was just happening. It was a very weird moment. I never told this to anybody before, ever. But, um, I mean, if you've ever seen Wavelength, I mean, it's one long 45-minute shot, and there are four little elements that take place in it, including a dead body, and it was right in front of me. So that film, obviously, has, has affected me greatly, and um, that was 1967, 1968. So how did Preston ended up creating his own film festival? Where I was, was I had made a film in 1986. It was about a two or three million dollar movie, and it was released around the world. So I had a deep understanding, of, uh, and because of my experience in Oregon working on feature films, and I had some friendships there, so I could get my scripts read and stuff like that because of the relationships. And then we were sort of become outsider independents. Then I made this other film I mentioned, uh, Be My Oswald. And it did very well on the festival circuit, especially in Europe. And an opportunity came up through a series of, again, unlikely circumstances where I was able to put together a package for a piece I was working on. And because of Be My Oswald, I had a couple of contracts to help write some screenplays. So we were on this cusp. Where, which way are we going to go? We found ourselves involved with a, another film festival here in Queens that uh, ended badly. The festival did. And Katha, she decided, well, if someone could make it six, seven years in a film festival and essentially 
be very questionable in terms of what happened and just say it was bad. What happens if you could just be totally transparent? And that was the beginning moment of starting the Queens World Film Festival. That little moment was like honesty and let's support the filmmakers because those filmmakers out there, they deserve to be seen and heard. And that's that was the spark. And since then, we have been openly promoting the filmmakers from wherever you might be and decided there's just got to be a way to do this. You can't be just put up a festival and support our, our work because that's one of our statements. You know, we do not screen our work at this film festival. This is about everyone else and the community. And here we are. This is our 11th year. And the world of all things, the world is now all part of this. And we're very grateful for that to happen. So that's where it came from. In this next part, I asked Preston about the kinds of filmmakers his festival attracts, what their intentions are, what drives them, and what types of films they receive. Well, see, there's several, what you want to, if you want to call them folders or buckets or ideas of where they fall, but there are those who are striving to make the next breakthrough Hollywood film, studio film. I can't say Hollywood because there's studios all over the world. The audience for American studio films is the world. There's no question about it. Um, it's just the way it is. But there's a great deal of them out there that are just looking for their own singular voice, finding their own way to tell a story, not necessarily the traditional uh, beginning, middle, end, hit, hit all your marks, your pinch points, turnarounds, etc., which is a, an absolute value in itself, of course. But to hear these independent voices and people more of the, picking up that camera and taking a look at something that obviously is driving them to the point where I, I just have to tell the story and see. I want people to see this. Somehow I want people to see this. And I say that because we probably get an awful lot of films, many, 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 many films from Iran. And you see how much they have the same issues as the rest of us. And to be enlightened by that to see that they have all they just want what we all want they want a place to raise their kids they want you know safety they want they want a freedom to be able to express themselves and we see that all over the world and that is a breath of fresh air they're not just telling me a, a genre story and the structure might be different the the way it's put together and many many of them they a lot of them don't have happy endings so in other words we see all kinds Everything you can imagine, animation, shorts, docs, narratives, and they're incredibly challenging. They're, they're right, they push it right in your face. So what are some of Preston's best festival moments? For him, the films are important, but it's the people you meet that really makes it. When Be My Oswald was premiered, it was at the Westwood Theatre in Los Angeles, and they had completely rebuilt this theater, brand new seats and everything else. And, and to, to see something you've been working on on a, a small computer and had this idea in your head and suddenly see it on a 50-foot screen with the best equipment imaginable with the latest technology, digital beta, not film. I mean, that, that one moment was an absolute knockout. And we're staying at the Chateau Montmartre. I mean, come on. I mean, this that whole idea was that being there for that and that, that for that little moment was really nice. It was singular, wasn't a big crowd, but that didn't matter. But that experience was wonderful to see something like that on a big screen in this incredible historic cinema. 
And so that was as a screening. But one of the nicest moments we've ever had was at a film festival in Wales. Because we always say to ourselves, <laughs> no matter how bad or how, bad, how awful things might get or, or how, whatever, we always look, my wife Kathy and I look at ourselves, you know what, we'll always have Wales. Because that was a great community. We've met some people there who are still dear friends. And uh, other filmmakers from around the world, we still talk to each other, we meet each other. Uh, and to see all of those different people and to just hang out with them all that time and talk and share things. So that experience is something that the human part of that, that became more important than the films itself. Because that's why we say we'll always have whales. Because the experience was who cares about winning? Who cares about anything? The films are really great, but these people are amazing. Now here, we've had a couple of moments where it's really wonderful when you get to present something to someone who never would expect it otherwise. I pick things that are a little bit off the wall, meaning that... Uh, if something like a wavelength came along, I'm going to go, oh, this is knocking me out. This has got to be seen. <laughs> Something you've got that people must see this. And other people on the staff might go, what the hell did he pick? But that's where we are. So And so something like that needs to be seen. And I say, you know, I shock me, whatever it might be, but just show me something. And, and when you give a special acknowledgement to that particular filmmaker, male or female, and say, you earned this because you really stuck your neck out. However long it takes you to do this, I mean, it's, it needs to be recognized. And to see that and then to see a little light goes off in that filmmaker. That somebody, you know, it's like somebody gets it and that's worth it. And why didn't these people take my film? Why didn't they take it? Well, I don't know. Maybe somebody should have seen Wavelength once. I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, that's the point. To see these filmmakers, we love giving the first film. We, we, like to, we like to see that we want to encourage that. We want to encourage conversation. So that's the way we put our festival together. It's not just here's short block number one, short block number two, animation block number three. So we mixed all of these short films and features together. So we'll have a block called Angst Are Us. And all of these films are all related in theme to that idea of Angst Are Us. So we might say, oh, careful, trigger warning, because there's something in this block that might just shock you. But I mean, that's what it is. So we want to create this experience. And then people come out of this of that screening and go, oh, I get it. Now I understand why they call it that. And so you may have films, you may have five films from all corners of the world in one block because it just shows that this is what brings us together. Everybody kind of working with the same idea, you've expressed it differently. That's what we love doing. Now for some quick tips from Preston regarding how filmmakers can get involved at his festival and a reminder of what it's all about. We, we find and encourage the filmmakers to get involved if they can, to find a block and to host it. We find that to be very exciting. So you get to know these five films or three films or eight films in this block. Learn about them. Learn about the films and films and be the presenter of that two-hour segment. We, we find that to be terribly exciting and wonderful because suddenly they go, oh, my God, I get to meet these other people. And there's a time for networking, of course, partying. Parties aren't necessarily our 
forte, but they happen. And filmmakers do talk, but then to see these conversations that come up as a result of these screenings and to talk to other filmmakers and to see how they react to one another is, you know, that's incredible because that's what we say. Our festival is about two things, two words, the films. And they're independent films, meaning you can't always tell what you're getting, the outside world. But the filmmakers that are here are making a connection to one another. They find that we actually watch their films, and that makes them very happy. And we always ask, so tell me about your film. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's why it's over here, et cetera, and so on. So that acknowledgement that it's, oh, you're the face that goes with the film, and you guys are the directors, and we are out there amongst them. And I think that that's important as well, that we're there, we are part of what they are, but it's all about them. And we find that that is very rewarding. Preston shares a couple of amusing and heartwarming anecdotes from his festival memory book. One is how not to behave if you don't win, the other a remarkable example of how film festivals can transform filmmakers' lives. One time at the awards, somebody, I mean, they were so upset they didn't win, they threw, somebody threw some furniture around. I mean, come on. <laughs> what do you mean you should have won? Come on. I mean, it's somebody had to win because that's the nature of it. It's competitive and you were at least nominated. So let's just go with that. So there is that's one direction. You know, furniture takes flight. And then there's the other one where someone just totally didn't have a clue. And they were terrified to... I knew of a film, let's say, an example, I saw this film and I said, oh my God, this has to, you have to submit the film. And this person was like, I, I, I can't, I just, I just it's, it's so personal. And it was, it was a very personal experience that she had captured. And obviously it had affected her entire life to that point. And so as an artistic statement, she had made this film and uh, she won uh, Best Student Film. And that changed her life. Literally, it, it brought it out. She starts to get confidence. And so here's a case where someone was so reluctant and made this incredibly brave piece. And now she's discovered herself. I mean, I mean, that's like you've virtually changed somebody's life. She changed her life by making the film, but she was terrified to screen it because it was so personal. And now she's a different person person she's now discovered herself and you can see it in every shot she takes there's so much truth and honesty it's undeniable so that's the other end of the spectrum you have some people one thing that we pride ourselves on is one thing at least prior to the pandemic the one thing when you leave here you'll know how to write a decent log line you can have a, you'll have a resume <laughs> You'll have these basic tools, you'll check, use spell check, and those just simple skills, we try to help filmmakers with that, because there's a lot of rookies. We're all rookies. I mean, everyone wants to go to Sundance, so good luck. You're one of 14,000 submissions. I hope you know somebody there. And so we're just one small step in, in somebody's life cycle. And we're happy about that. I mean, happy and scared because it's a big responsibility. Queen's Bold Film Festival has just finished. But what exciting things did Preston find in this year's edition? We generally have a very diverse festival. I mean, we were excited because, among other things, we had, I think, was it 32% of the films submitted had women either 
involved in either directing or producing. We have 42 films that are either produced or directed by women, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it, it just happened. And it's not like myself and the committee, we don't look around and go, oh, it's a woman to put it in. It has to be good, controversial, stick to its guns. Does it do something? Does it move me? And so for us, we've had more feature films than we've ever had. We have uh, 42 this year. And that's up a lot. And we understand, we know that those feature films, are the, the jewels of any film festival, are, are features. And they're all worthy of it. Everything from social justice to uh, good old-fashioned, entertaining, well-made rom-com. And what are Preston's thoughts on the future of film festivals as streaming takes over? Even with the advent of self-distribution uh, streaming platforms, the filmmakers are still looking for that live moment that where the light comes off the screen and hits the audience in their face. To see that reaction, to feel it, it is a unique experience. And yes, you can have a very unique experience with your flat screen television and your streaming service. You can and stop it and start it, go get popcorn or beer, whatever you're doing. But the um, gathering hasn't changed. We still really want that. We still want that shared experience, that moment, whatever it might be, whether it scares us, makes us laugh or whatever. We like that. And we've done it from the beginning of time. It's so simple and so true. Other filmmakers, people in general, someone, people you never meet, uh, the uh, individual who streamed your film, thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's nice. Uh, the little, if there's a like button or whatever there is, uh, I got two views this week. It's wonderful. But it's still not the same experience of being at a place, experiencing human beings, sharing uh, beers with them, or just having this incredible experience and you remember that and that you may have a friendship and that that's really important. Now you've made a connection with someone you had no idea you could connect to. A great deal of our friends that we've met when we were doing a few festivals or our festival now, we find that we have these friendships and they mean so much. And that's really what it's about. You want people to share and move. It's not just, well, give me your money and let's move on and whatnot. So that's still really important as the festival. To wrap things up, Preston shares his strategies on getting your film noticed. Sometimes you get to spend money to make money. I mean, there's six, seven thousand, eight, nine thousand film festivals all over the world. Do your homework and figure out where my film fit best. Everyone has the same idea. They all want to get into the big ones. And the big ones have so many submissions. But you never know what's going to happen at a small one. So find out where your film could play. It's going to be an audience. It'll be a live audience. You hope you get in. So yeah, be selective. Be purposeful. Focus on it. And don't use a Gatling gun approach to trying to get your film out there. First of all, it's expensive. You have to allow yourself. You know you're going to have to spend some money. You want to be proper, you know, be prepared uh, and make sure you are, are concise, fill out the forms, etc. But that's the big thing. Just do your homework. I mean, you, if you really think you can have a shot at Sundance, good luck. You know, in the past, up until the pandemic, uh, we always had a surge in applications after Sundance announced their selections. I mean, literally a spike. <laughs> I mean, if you have the chart, it's like, it's like you're barely alive and then bang,
bang. All of a sudden, all these people, it's like, where are these? Well, we know what happened. Sundance announced their selections. Okay, well, that's, I'm fine with that. It's just I, we, everybody understands where you want to go. So thank you for financing a Sundance. But that's what it is. You have to be selective. Maybe I have an offbeat piece, so it might go here. And please, the one thing you should do is don't ask for a waiver. We get letters all the time. They'll simply say, and, and our entrance, our fees are really low. I mean, it's not about making money on selections. And filmmakers have to understand small festivals don't make any money on their entrance fees. It's, it's impossible, the amount of work that goes into it. And then you get a filmmaker who said, well, you know, can, can I get a waiver? And, our, and we read the waiver. Well, I spent all my money on my movie. And so, therefore, you know, I don't have any money. But so could I have a waiver? It's like, don't be that person. You pay to play. That's the, wherever you be, pay to play. And we hear it over and over again. Well, you should have thought about a budget for festivals. That's part of the game. And, and we always say, if you want to be in competition, you have to pay something. And so it becomes a negotiation. But when you, and then you can tell the ones who send out the email blast. And and you can you can see it, and it's not personal. It's not nothing. It's just change a couple of words around. So those kinds of things, just not the right attack. You know, that's why you need to pick your ones. That's it. This might work. These guys, whoever it might be, wherever it might be in the world, just be intelligent. Be upfront. Pay the fees. Know that that's what has to be. Be a professional. You know, we all know it's your baby, and you want your baby to do well. We do too. We're not a machine. You have to realize, if however long your film is, whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, somebody has to watch it. And we do. We say, we will watch your film. We, we're not going to watch 10 minutes of your feature and shut it off. We will watch your movie because something might happen in uh, a film festival that I got into. They said they were fast-forwarding. Boom, 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 boom. Just trying to skip through it as fast as they can. And suddenly they saw a picture of Santa Claus and Jesus Christ in a rowboat. And they backtracked the whole thing all the way back to the beginning. And they went, huh. And so that can happen also. But we, we say we will watch your movie. And we do. We watch your movie. That's it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where we share some bonus content from our guests. Actually, we are on most of the social media platforms, so it's easier for you to share the stories. Till next time.